0: Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast, your weekly roundup of the best action and biggest talking points in Bailiwick sport. Coming up, it was honours even at Foots Lane, as Interinsular Hockey returned after two and a half years away. We'll look back at two cracking contests. We'll also hear from father-daughter duo Chris and Joe Dyer about the work Dyer Sr is doing to move the sport of bowls forward and about Joe's hopes for this weekend's tennis in Twinsula, where she's set to play a key role once again. Plus, we'll hear from Guernsey Raider-turned-Springbok Tanya Skoltz about her incredible experience with the South African national team over the last week or two. We'll also chat cricket and look ahead to what else is coming up over the next week. I'm Tony Curran. With me today is Rob Batiste. Hi, Tony. And Gareth the Prevo. Hi, Tony. Great to see you, chaps. Um, let's start with the hockey, shall we? Because it was a really fun day uh, down at Foots Lane on Saturday, uh, two draws in the senior matches, which means it's as you were as far as the silverware is concerned. Uh, Jersey retained the women's trophy after fighting back to draw that one, one all. Well, it was a proper ding dong battle in the men's match, that one finishing four all, which keeps the trophy here in Guernsey. Uh, Gareth, I suppose after two years away, uh, two draws was was quite a sort of nice. Uh, way to to ease us back into insular hockey.
1: Well, yeah, I suppose it was, Tony. I mean, it would have been lovely to have two Guernsey wins to to <laughs> report on, but um, it was it was a great day to just to be to be there and just see the crowd. I mean, it's, it was a typical interinsular day, very boisterous. It, it's always a it's a it's a, it's a nice rival It's still a friendly atmosphere down there, even on interinsular day. But um, yeah, but being. Um, It's sort of those back-to-back games. It just sort of builds throughout the day. And by the time the the, the men's game was coming to its climax, which was a pretty thrilling climax as well, with the jersey scoring late on to equalise and almost getting a winner in the last minute, um it, it just felt like we are almost back to normal. That was the great thing about it. It was like inter-insular, really bringing the best out of the players on the pitch, bringing the best out of the crowd, and just just enjoying being there
0: on a great day of sport. Yeah, absolutely. Let's have a, a quick listen to what the two captains had to say afterwards. Men's skipper, Zach Damrell, and first the women's captain, Lucy Wardrum.
2: I thought we really dug in. I thought we um, earned that draw. Um, we had a great goal in the first half that we took advantage of, and everybody just didn't stop working. Yeah. I think they were really, really solid, um, solid group of players, and they, they did deserve their goal. I think, but um, the way we dug in and fought, I think, was worthy of at least a draw yeah, for us.
1: Yeah, and we sort of finished with a bit of a flourish the last five minutes. I mean, we were getting sort of forward more and more in, near the end.
2: Absolutely. I think we lost our shape a little bit for the first part of the second half, um, but then we had a little bit of a team talk, got ourselves back together, yeah. and really worked as a team and. Started To push forwards, we're really um, a great team, and we start pushing forwards all together as a unit. And we started doing that, and I think we were unlucky not to get a second goal at the end.
3: Overriding emotion at the end. Yeah, I mean,
4: obviously disappointed we didn't win the game, but um, ultimately happy to have retained the trophy. I think we created enough chances to win the game. Um, Gave away quite a few shorts, but yeah, it was was a good game.
1: Uh, Just a bit of a shame to sort of concede sort of fairly late, but the pressure was being piled on at the end.
4: Yeah, I mean, when you're when you're down, you're chasing an intrinsula, and you know you have to win to get. The trophy back you're definitely gonna gonna step up and press as high as possible i think we we feel hard done by that we only got a draw today i think we we think that we should we deserve to win the game but you know we, we've retained the trophy
0: which is uh, all that matters <laughs> nice to be back playing in it and... yeah great to be back playing and an amazing crowd down here as well as we've, we've missed it for the last was it two and a half years <laughs> uh, the two skippers there uh, as we say two hard fought contests um let's start with the men because that was the outstanding match of the day for all i mean it was to and fro uh, the lead was exchanged several times. Uh, there was a, a couple of controversial incidents as well to, to throw into the mix. Uh, was it the fair result, there in the end? Arguably, yes. I, uh, I, I, the thing I love about the men's
1: hockey entrance is that the contrast between the two sides, generally. I mean, I think Guernsey are the stronger, they've got better strength and depth in their men's squad. Um, but Jersey, they sort of they know their strengths, they play to them. Obviously, Pete Millow's a. Former sort of prem player in, in England, he's played at the highest level domestically. He's just a class act and, and he's sort of their player coach. He runs, he orchestrates everything he, they do. And when you've got someone of that quality doing it, it sort of raises the level of, of those around him. And they, they always, perhaps they're probably greater than some of their parts jersey. Um, Guernsey, to be honest, after half an hour of the game, they should have been probably three or four up. They dominated the first half hour. Um, they were 1-0 up, thanks to Josh Kendall, and by half-time they were 2-1 down, out of, virtually out of nowhere, really. Um, the fact that they equalised straight after the break was very important. Um, they then deservedly twice took the lead again, um, but Jersey hit back twice. and Like I say, they sort of, Pete Miller himself sort of scored their fourth goal to equalise with three minutes left on the clock. And then in the last minute when he's going dancing around various defenders in the D, you're thinking, oh, no, he's just about to win it for them. And uh, Jake LaMarcha made a really sort of important save there right at the end. But um, just to pick up on um, Guernsey captain, Zach, who he actually got player of the match for Guernsey. And he was outstanding. He was absolutely brilliant. And there's there's something about Zach Danwell that when he sort of steps on a hockey pitch, he seems to grow a foot in stature every time. He's not the biggest bloke, but when you see him on a hockey pitch, um, he, he's full of energy, he's full of drive, and I mean, he scored two great goals, and he, he could have had a hat trick had it not been for an absolutely stunning save by Alex. Now I, I still don't quite know how he saved it. It was sort of full strength, diving high to his left, and he sort of saved it with with his stick, and that that takes some doing. Um, but it, it was uh, it was a really good contest, and yeah, like I say, I think out the two sides, Guernsey perhaps feel they they should have won, but. It was a fair, probably fair reflection on the, on the 70 minutes in the end. Um, one thing I just want to add now is is this sort of like the holder retains the trophy format. I've, I've sort of mentioned it in, in my follow-up story to the entrance, list. I think it just adds so much to it because Jersey came in knowing they had to win and... And in doing so, that's what made them press at the end. I mean, there was no no sort of uh, lottery of shootout at the end of, of any penalties or anything like that. They come here knowing that to take the trophy home, they had to win. I just think that makes for a more open and more dramatic game as well. Um, I don't know if any other sports could benefit from it. Whether the Marathi would ever go that route, I probably doubt, but I, I think it, a it actually way. adds to it. That'd be good,
4: yeah. We, we'll nick a win and we'll change the rules and then forever and <laughs> <forever, forever> a <laughs> day play for nil nil draws. And <laughs>
1: but I've, I mean, I've turned up to so many sort of football Morattis in the last few years, which teams are basically scared to lose and it just it makes a spectacle so much worse for it. In hockey, you can't sort of turn out hoping you don't lose because one of the sides has to win if they want the trophy back which just makes it um, it just adds to the entertainment and it adds to the attacking intent on both sides because if you've got one side pushing for the win in hockey you can go and score at the other end within sort of a second or two the, the ball moves that quickly so I think that really adds to the drama and the entertainment and perhaps also the nerves on the day as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned how quickly it moves. We... Did the live stream of course and I commentated on, on the two games first time I've commentated on hockey before but my god there's, you don't get much time to get your words <laughs> out like the ball's into the D and then suddenly but like the the three goals that Guernsey scored in that second half two from Zach and um, the, the other one from Steve Ullenkamp it's basically ball into the D and then swivel bang goal it's like you know, not much to describe there <laughs> um,
4: yeah certainly the game from what I've seen the game has moved on considerable pace from the days when we used to watch the inter on the grass at the KG5 when it used to be bobbling along on the old um, pitches at beaux where the ladies used to have to perform. Um, it's it's a slick, yeah. slick um, sport these days, that's for sure. Sorry,
1: you talk about the pace of the game. I was having a quick chat between the games, between the men's and the women's game with uh, Rob Turville, who umpired the women's game, and just talk, talking about umpiring generally in hockey. And he said, he said the thing he loves about umpiring in hockey is that people can't argue with you because the game moves on. Once you've given <laughs> yeah. a free hit, the, whoever's taking it can take it to themselves and they're straight on the go again. So there's no time to argue with umpires and what have you. So it's just, it's just
0: free-flowing it's just great entertainment. Before we move on to the women's game, let's just mention the umpiring in the men's game because there was a moment that, that got people talking. Yeah, there's, uh, the thing is
1: you can't have a, a known goal in hockey. Um, if the ball is played from outside the D, an attacking player has to touch it before it goes in the goal for the goal to count and um so during the the second half the ball came into the guernsey d uh, and it definitely took a touch off a stick on the way in um and a, one of the jersey players basically wheeled off in celebration claiming the touch and he still um uh, he was he was chatting to his um squad members later on i heard him say no he was adamant he got a touch on it uh, the guernsey defender tom still at the time was adamant to the umpire he said i was the only one who touched that ball so It should, in theory, have been a a, a no goal and a a long corner to Jersey if that was um, what happened. It's one of those situations that, And any other day, um, you you try and take the player's word for it. As it happened, we were live streaming and (laughs) the camera angle suggests that it did only touch a Guernsey stick.
0: But... um, I'm not going to accuse anyone of anything. <laughs> yeah, good up for debate in the bar afterwards. Um, uh, onto the women's game, and uh, Guernsey took the lead in that. We're pegged back, which means, as we say, Jersey retained it. And there was a, a controversial umpiring call in that one as well. Um, the Jersey keeper uh, bringing down Guernsey attacker, um, uh, I think Emma Atkinson in the Guernsey goal afterwards, saying, yeah, she'd have been very nervous. So Adrian Gidney on commentary, uh, he joined me for the men's game, and said he would have been very nervous if he'd have... Uh, uh, been in that situation as the keeper
1: yeah it was one of those that um, it's you wonder what the decision would have been had it been a run-of-the-mill domestic league game on a on a Saturday morning um, it might have been different I, you, you don't want to see um, controversial decisions <laughs> given um, too much but yeah um, I'm not so okay with a, every uh, rule in hockey to, to say that it was the wrong decision um it it could have gone either way really but um yeah it it, it it did um, add to the drama, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, it was certainly entertaining. And Guernsey was sort of throwing, oh, they really grew into it into that second half and were throwing everything at, at Jersey in the end. But didn't well, yeah, quite this, find a way through. Well,
1: no, this comes again from the, the holder retains a trophy. I mean, I was standing on the far side of the pitch, um, sort of opposite the stand, and listening to um, the, the benches on both sides. And Damien Wallen, who's the assistant manager of the Guernsey women's team, in the last five minutes here at shouting, come on, we need a goal. We need a goal. You know, it's, it's, it's not we can hold on for penalties here because there's no such thing. We need a goal. Um, I thought Guernsey played um, pretty well in the first half. It was very even first half. Uh, I thought um, at the time I thought Becky McAllister's goal was very good, seeing it in sort of real time. Then having seen the the live or the streaming of it since, it was actually an even better goal. I think because she, it, it, from my angle, it, it looked as if she had more time than she did, and she sort of took her touch and just hammered it in the bottom corner. And having now seen where how close the defender was to her. It was even better goal than I probably gave her credit for. So um, fair play to Becky for that. Um, I also mentioned in my report how well she got back towards the end because right at the death, Guernsey had a short corner which went, which was the chance to win it, and it went hopelessly wrong at the time. And um, Jersey almost broke and scored, sort of like totally against the run of play at that stage. But um, uh, Becky was one of those who got back in time to sort of clear the danger. Um, Guernsey, I thought, in the third quarter they they lost their shape a bit. they lost um, Kelly Cameron so early on in the second half to injury. I mean, it was literally, I, I was still checking my watch to make sure my, my stopwatch was running and the time was called because she'd gone down injured and she's like the out-and-out out right back for Guernsey. Very, very good player, Kelly. And it, it needed a bit of a reshuffle. I don't think they quite got back into their stride for, for sort of a good quarter of an hour in Jersey. Certainly deserved their equaliser when they got it. But I thought then Guernsey responded well and... Um, yeah, they, they finished pretty strongly. They they could have nicked a winner at the end. It it was probably a fair result, though.
0: Yeah, it's interesting stuff all round, and we're back at it again in March. Won't be too long to wait for the next one over in Jersey, and hopefully that'll be a full slate with the seconds and thirds and everything. Uh, I just will, want you to get, min- will
4: you get VAR I'm on your... Going by then, yeah, we should have some sort of,
0: uh, <laughs> some, I don't know, some resolution, settle some of these issues. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, exactly. <laughs> I just want to mention as well the um, the other two games on the day. The junior um, interinsulars, there was a, a win for Jer, well, win for Jersey in both. Uh, pretty comfortable win for for their boys. Um, the girls' game actually was fantastic at the start of the day to kick things off. And I think we said probably the first team junior interinsular since the pandemic. Uh, Jersey were four 0 up in that one, but but Guernsey really fought back pretty valiantly. Um, it ended up 5-3 to Jersey but one of the, the nicest things of the weekend was just seeing the Guernsey girls celebrating their goals, Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean Jersey scored a few and, and to be fair scored some nice goals but they, they, it was quite odd, they almost didn't celebrate them at all, It was I don't know whether they just thought it was routine and they were going to kind of sweep to victory, um, but yeah, all three Guernsey goals were celebrated with real kind of vim and vigour and uh, it was just fantastic to see how much they were obviously enjoying those moments. Yeah, I
1: thought um, a couple of Martin Gray's pitches which we've used from those games, it really captures the the joy in their faces they just really enjoyed being part of that day obviously and and the, the thrill of scoring a goal yeah yeah it was great to see
4: uh rob have you got a highlight of the week yeah I, I must admit i've only seen a sort of a pretty humdrum pre-league football match i suppose the thing in terms of a highlight i think you should we should perhaps just spend a couple of minutes just to congratulate the guernsey rifle club um on on their 150th anniversary year they are our oldest sports club Beating the Guernsey Swimming Club by a few years, I'm not quite sure by how much, but I think it's quite a significant amount. I think you know they've been going for since 1871, um, produced some great champions, national champions in terms of Bisley. And you think that Bisley is the biggest, biggest shooting event in world, world in world terms, and we've had two busily champions and had a few clear near misses over the years and it was great to see that a lot of the old um, guernsey guys who are now living in the uk come back for the event at St superior park last week and um so, shooting is certainly in um, really really good fettle at the moment and um long may that continue so well done to the guernsey rifle club
0: well congratulations to the rifle club there that is a fantastic achievement um i think a highlight of the week for me was popping down to elizabeth college Um, to speak to Ben Fairbrush, the First Eleven coach there, and Tom Eisenhuth, uh, about their inclusion in the Cricketer Magazine's uh, School's Guide for 2022. some another badge of honour for them. I know they've been in it a few times in recent years, um, but it certainly shows they're doing all the right things on a cricketing front. And it does seem like um, that sport is in, in good health at the college, which is obviously uh, pretty crucial to to the sport's success uh, in Guernsey. So that's really good to see. And um, if you didn't already, head to our social channels, at GSY Press Sport on Facebook and Twitter uh, to... To hear what um, Ben Fairbrush had to say about it. And he might be in action again in a Guernsey shirt. It's been a while since we've, uh, uh, we've seen any meaningful competition uh, at a sort of national island level. Um, but, Gareth, some news this week as well that, that we've, yeah, some optimistic thoughts ahead of next summer.
1: Well, we are actually planning to be involved in an ICC <laughs> competition again, which makes a change. Um, yeah, the ICC the Europe have announced for sure that um, the regional qualifiers for what is now going to be the 2024 T20 World Cup, Men's World yeah, Cup, I know, that far ahead now, um, will be held, there'll be two groups in Finland and one in Belgium this coming, uh, next summer I should say, and um, Guernsey will be involved in one of them. They're not sure which group they'll be in yet because seedings will have changed because Apart from Guernsey, a lot of the European nations have actually been sort of um, taking part in, in matches, international matches. So their seedings will have changed. Ours won't have particularly. Um, so we're likely to get one of either Germany, Italy or Denmark um, in, in our group. And then who, whoever is below us we will probably be in like the second pot, as, as, so to speak. Um, but it's just great that we've actually, Mark Latter can start planning a summer which has international cricket involved and just cricket off Ireland as well.
0: Yeah, fingers crossed it all comes to pass. It'll be about the sixth batch of flights that that Lats will have booked to Finland. So uh, yeah, let's hope he's getting the points on he must know an awful lot about Helsinki, even though he hasn't been <laughs> there yet. He's been planning to go there about three years on the track. <laughs> well, good stuff. Yeah, let's, uh, let's hope that happens. Um, right, let's leave it there for part one. When we come back, we'll be talking to the Dyers about bowls and tennis. Welcome back to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. Do give us a rating or review wherever you're getting your podcast and hit follow or subscribe to get every episode delivered uh, straight to you. Now, today we welcome one of the island's most successful father daughter sporting combinations in Chris and Joe Dyer. Joe recently won her 10th Island Ladies Single Tennis title and has been a key presence in Guernsey's Island Games tennis teams going back to. When she made her debut, uh, age 14, Joe? Uh, 15. 15, 15. This weekend she'll be at the heart of the Guernsey team, aiming to see off the uh, Caesareans at the long camps where, uh, for sure, you'll see dad Chris urging her and her colleagues on uh, against an island he positively hated when he was a footballer. <laughs> uh, of course, Chris, uh, a legend of local football, two dozen Marathi caps leaves him just one shy of Les Collins' all-time Guernsey record and 14 of those games saw him lead his side out. In his time as Guernsey captain, he won three finals, having picked up two earlier winner's medals among the ranks. Uh, Now a driving force at Guernsey Bowling Club, where he's taken on the mantle left by former President Joe Thompson and working hard there to turn uh, the fortunes around. Uh, Chris, Joe, welcome to the pod. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having us. Great to see you guys. Um, let's start with the tennis, Joe, because uh, yeah, a big weekend after a, 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 yeah, a fairly long wait, as we said, for, for inter-insular competition. Jersey come over on Sunday uh, with a title that they've uh, had in their hands for quite some time now. Um, just give us a sense of, of how you guys are shaping up ahead of Sunday.
2: Uh, yeah, it's looking like a really good day. We've got our strongest team out uh, that we've had in a while, I would say. Um, and I have had a little nosy at their team that they're bringing over. Um, I'd say we've got a good chance. There's quite a few names in there that I um, haven't come across, so it is a bit um, unknown. But yeah, looking forward to a great day of competitive matches.
0: Yeah, how much have you missed uh, yeah, the, the chance to compete against? Jersey, as we said, it's been a little while since Guernsey have had their hands on the trophy, so it, yeah, that, that burning desire must burn stronger every year to get it back.
2: Yeah, definitely. It's, um, it's been a while. Obviously, last year it was cancelled because of COVID. Um, the year before, we had a shortened format, um, basically just because of court availability um, in Jersey. So yeah, it'll be nice to have a few more... A few more matches this time.
0: Yeah, awesome, Chris. You're going to be down there. I'll be What's down there done? for
3: sure. Yeah, uh, to never miss one of those uh, inter-insular matches. I love it, to be honest. But. I find it very nerve-wracking, to be honest. It's uh, nothing worse than watching your daughter playing tennis against is he the old enemy, Dad. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
2: don't worry um, if he is, because I, <laughs> I was. apparently. <laughs> he's uh, he's definitely my person. So when I'm on court, you know, if I need to look up on the balcony, if I need to, you know, make eye contact with somebody, if I yeah feel like I need that little boost, um, it's always clenched fist there. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. It's always Dad that I look at. Um, but I know it's obviously really nerve-wracking. I think it's worse to watch sometimes than it is to compete. Obviously, it's you know it's not in your control. So, yeah, I think he'll probably be having a more nervous day than me on Sunday.
0: As we said in the intro, uh, Jay, 10 island singles titles now. Um, yeah, how do you reflect on that? Because that's, that's quite some achievement.
2: Yeah, I'm really, really proud of that. I can remember um, winning my first couple and it was sort of... You know, if somebody had said to me, oh, that this was going to happen, you're going to win 10 titles. Like, I never really would have believed it, and it's just, yeah, it's so good. Every time I win one, it feels just as good um, as the first few. It's just, I'm, yeah, I guess I'm really proud of myself.
0: Yeah, I know, it's epic, is it? Yeah, certainly, I saw you win one a couple of years ago, and yeah, that that desire and the, the enjoyment you take from it clearly hasn't waned at all over the years. <laughs> the competitive spirit <laughs> is alive and well.
2: I can, uh, yeah, I can definitely thank my dad for that. I do get <laughs> very um, competitive on court, and I think, you know, you, you work so hard for it, you train so hard for it, it's just in that moment, I think I'm probably famous for that big celebratory scream that comes out every time. It just... uh, Yeah, you can't help it. It's just, yeah, an amazing feeling.
0: Yeah, Chris, do you see a bit of your mentality in Joe when you see her play tennis?
3: Oh, yeah, without doubt. Um, She changed her character when she goes on a tennis court, for sure. I think uh, she's the nicest person you'd ever like to meet, to be honest. My daughter, I think probably everybody says that, but it's true. But when she goes on a tennis court, something takes over and uh, (laughs) she just turns into another animal, I'm afraid, and... uh, Quite an unsociable uh, young lady. On the, <laughs> the, the determination comes in, and uh, there's no conversation between her and her opponent. That's for sure until the end of the game. So it's I, I just love to watch it, but as I say, it's very very nerve wracking. Um, I'd be glad when the day's over, to be honest. <laughs>
4: do You still you're going to get worked up watching, uh, will
3: we I get worked up, yeah. yeah, yeah, very much so, yeah, yeah. I just find it's just funny, so up, so even nervous. Even
4: after ten island titles, you know.
3: Yeah, when she got to six or seven, I know she mentioned a goal would be ten, and I thought, really, it's a little bit unrealistic, and that's one hell of a goal to set yourself. So, probably a week before the tennis tournament starts, Joe's mood changes, and you've got to be careful what you say, and you've got to. (laughs) And it's true because she get a bit snappy and whatever, and then the tennis tournament goes ahead, and she wins, and she we get our Joe back again.
2: Oh, yeah, I think it's it's the build up, isn't it? That you start thinking about it for a while before, like before any big match, really. And then um, I don't know. Sometimes you're in the mood to talk about it. Sometimes you think I'm thinking about this so much. I don't want anybody to talk to me about it anymore. Like, obviously, it's a lot of pressure. You know, it's the same like with all these tournaments. And I think probably for all sports people, if you've got like a big event that you're focused on, yeah, obviously takes up like a lot of
4: brain space. I think it's right to just uh, form sort of um, listeners. Now, it's appropriate to say. That... Your mum and Chris's wife, Julie, is a multiple island fencing champion as well, of course, and been a leading light in that sport for years. Are you more dad than mum on in sport?
2: Such a controversial question. Um, I think dad would like to claim me. Dad's definitely like more... Outward with his competitiveness, I would say.
4: I can vouch for that. For that. <laughs> and Dad would be very
2: competitive in everything that he does, whereas I think Mum is very competitive, but only really at fencing. She wouldn't be as outwardly aggressive. Probably, well, she'd be giving as Dad you advice did.
4: this week leading up to it and telling you, you should be, you know, staying calm or whatever. Or don't listen to Dad. <laughs> you know, stay away. From it.
2: Yeah, Mum definitely says, "I oh, will just." Um, Chill. she's quite level headed yeah she'd be you know like relaxed just enjoy it um, and dad's saying that as well but then underneath it you know he's like come on he really wants the Guernsey team to beat Jersey
3: yeah I'd be very much so do what you need to do because it's that moment really and it's a case of you go on to tennis court yeah, no but, regrets but Crispin that was football that that, that... Could mean most things.
4: Do what you have to do, but I mean you can't yeah. do. This is tennis we're talking about.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's very true. Yeah. But I think um, I think it's a lot of psychology is involved with tennis as well. That you can get to, into your opponent's head really, and I think that goes a long way. Really, Joe's very, very mentally strong, and I've seen some t- very competitive games, and I thought this is going to go down. He's got the strongest mentality, and if it gets to that, if the tennis is close, she win it on the mentality. She's got that extra desire to get over the line. Oh
2: uh, yeah, I would say I've I've definitely beaten a lot of players who are technically a lot better than me just because it's come down to like a mental battle. And I think probably everybody thinks of tennis as like, you know, it's a very like John Teal sport. Um, and obviously because you're not anywhere near each other, you know, they think that you can't affect like what your opponents are doing or what your like opponent feels, but actually like there is a lot of psychology on the court. And I do think, yeah, sometimes it's just being willing to, like, I'm going to stay out here as long as it takes, um, and I'm going to win this mental battle. And you do. You can almost, I don't want to say break people. That (laughs) sounds really violent. But, yeah, you can definitely, like, break somebody's spirit or break their morale.
4: Can you tell me, why is this tennis internship always seem to be played indoors these days? Why don't they play outdoors? Um... In I'm the sure, summer, really. it's a summer game after yeah.
2: all. Yeah, definitely the Interinsula until a couple of years ago, always used to be played in the summer. And then I think we probably struggled to get a fixture date that was in the summer just because there were other things going on. So it's sort of moved to the winter in the last couple of years. And then obviously, with the weather being unpredictable, we've gone indoors. But a lot of us probably, we do train indoors pretty much all the time. So I think probably the players would have a preference for indoors. Just when you think, okay, there's no sun on my eyes, there's no wind, you know, it's much easier. To produce the sort of game that you want to play.
0: I'm assuming those are the courts you're playing on most of the year, anyway. Yeah. Indoor, summer or winter.
2: Yeah, yeah. We do, we do tend to play inside. Yeah, pretty much as often as we can. Just <laughs> yeah, because the courts are nicer as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And how do you assess the strength of Guernsey tennis at the moment? Kind of on both the men's and the women's side. Obviously, we've got an Island Games um, not too far in the future. All being well, that will go ahead. Uh, and and you know, I imagine we'll be pretty keen to compete for medals there.
2: Yeah, I think we've probably, I was thinking about this, thinking about the balance between like youth and experience at the moment. And I think we've probably, we've hit a bit of a sweet spot now, I'd say, because there's um, you know, a few of us on the team that have got quite a few years and competitions under our belts. Um, obviously, we've got a couple of um, debutantes in the team as well. So we've got Lauren Coutonche playing number four on our singles. So she's one of our younger ones that's coming through. Uh, she's improving very fast. Um, and obviously we've got Ollie Cull and Lauren Watson-Steele as well. They're new additions to the team. Um, they've just moved over from the UK. Um, so, yeah, they're definitely a boost to the team.
4: We've also got Chris here, of course, talked about bowls, and if, a couple of years ago, when Paul Joe Thompson, who'd done so much for GBC, um, lost his battle against cancer, and you sort of vowed to take over what he was working so hard to do and to keep the GBC not only alive, but sort of... Um, progress for many years to come and you sort of, you really got stuck into it Chris haven't you?
3: Yeah I think that's a fair description to be honest, Um, Joe and I become very close actually, when I retired from actually full time work I sort of spent a couple of afternoons working at his house with him for a couple of years to be fair and got very very close there and quite friendly and at that time I wasn't playing outdoor bowls and he invited me to an outdoor tournament to play with Bud Asia. In a pairs tournament, and we actually went. To an, we actually won that tournament. As it happens, so I thought maybe it's time to start the outdoor bowls. And I thought, well, I've got to pay Joe Thompson back, really. So that's the reason I joined Guernsey Bowling Club, which I felt a little bit guilty because being a Warwick man. But it was a bit of a thank you to Joe, and I played for one season up there and enjoyed it. And Joe said he'd like me to become captain of the club, and with himself and and myself give the place a bit of a shake-up because it was sort of struggling, numbers are going down, uh, finances were getting more and more difficult and Joe was sort of bailing on us out year after year. So we looked at quite a few options of what we could do together and we actually went down to the tennis club. Joe and I had a meeting down at a tennis club one day with a chap, Mike Watt, who was down a manager down there, with a vision of moving our bowls club down there. Uh, unfortunately, it was about one and a half metres, not quite big enough, so... That didn't quite happen unfortunately but Joe had a lot of funding in place and a lot of contacts and we thought that would have been fantastic for the Guernsey Bowling Club to move down there with their facilities you know just the bar, the changing rooms and just a, a nice sporting community unfortunately that didn't happen and then not long after that Joe sadly passed away so Joe wasn't only our president he was actually our secretary as well so when he sadly passed away I had the unfortunate um, phone call from his wife Eileen to say he passed away I thought, OK, we're in a bit of a mess here. Um, we're in COVID. Bowl season isn't far away. What do we do? We haven't got a president. We haven't got a secretary. Um, there weren't a lot of leaders up there at the time, so I arranged a meeting with what was left of the club members in the field. And we sat in the field two metres apart on these white chairs and discussed where we are going to go and shake the place up. And that's where it went f- from there, really. And-, and you really have shaken it up, Chris,
4: um, I've- seen clear evidence of that and, you know yeah i think
3: we've done quite well to be fair I'm, I'm quite lucky we brought people in on committee that are like-minded um and they're buying into it and like a lot of things people just need somebody to drive them really and to lead them in the right direction and just the silly things like the sponsorship really is we've got these sponsorship banners up there now and that sort of accrues us three three thousand pound a year so which, are, which is absolutely massive to our bowls club We've currently got about 60 members and we've got a huge rent to the states of Guernsey, which I can understand the reasons why. It's a lovely area that we've got up there, but our rents in the region are £16,000 per year. So we've got sort of five months of a bowl season. We've got to accrue that money to just keep our rents above water, really. So you're looking at 60 members paying £50 membership. It's not too, too um, hard to work out the mass. You're, you're well, well short. So we've had to fundraise. We've had a lot of support from 10 sponsorship banners down the side there. And last year, the big plus, we introduced um, children into bowls with the help of the Sports Commission with Steve Sharman, who's been absolutely fantastic, to be honest. Um, He's been a shoulder for me to lean on, to be fair, and he's been very, very supportive. Uh, We introduced Amherst School, Velvet School. We had the boys' college up there. So they've had quite a taster last season. Uh, Hundreds of kids have just had a a taster sessions. So this coming season now we're planning to do a Junior Bowls Club uh, because that's where the future is. It's not with my age group, it's with the juniors coming through at the bottom. So the idea is to do a Junior Bowls Club on Sunday mornings. Uh, It's probably going to be an hour-and-hour session. And We've also attained a fantastic sponsorship deal with JW Rioi and that's going to be a godsend. Um, we've got a three-year contract with them, or um, quite a substantial amount of money. Uh, the plus in that is that we don't have to charge the kids any green fees to play. So that means the children can come up there, play bowls, have a sample, hopefully enjoy it, and come back. And uh, With it being on a Sunday morning also, the parents will hopefully come up to support their children. We might get a few parents that might decide they want to give it a go, because... The policy is it's an open door policy, that beautiful. Sure. Everybody's welcome. Just try it and give it a go and see how you get on. You you've
4: taken to bowls like um a duck to water, haven't you? I mean you can't kick people, but nah. you can <laughs> <laughs> But you know, you can certainly yeah. dig them verbally. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean Plenty of um, experience of that this summer as a, a colleague of yours, Chris, and our championship-winning team. We want to get that in. <laughs> yeah, we, we
3: did well. We won the triples league on a Wednesday yeah. night. Yeah, I think that, that, I played twice uh, at 16, so I'm not going to take much further. But all those points add up to win the league, right. don't yeah. they? It's uh, they were yeah. crucial games. Crucial games. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah. In terms of that sort of transition from football to to bowls. I mean, do you find you get out of bowls some of the things that you got out of football as well. Obviously, a very different sport.
3: It's a tough question, that, really. Football's a be-all and end-all, really, for me, really, and certainly the inter But I certainly enjoy the inter against Jersey and the Bowls as well because they're not nice people over there. So. <laughs> <laughs> and the opportunity to put one over them in anything is great. And and they always think they're better than us. It's just, oh, yeah. it's just, it's just their mentality, to be honest, so... When the opportunities of playing in Trinity against Jersey, then you've got to put your head above the power at the pit wall and, and go for it, to be honest, yeah. So, <laughs> it's inbred in us to try to beat them when we can. And, and invariably, we're the underdogs, because eh? they always seem to have bigger numbers, it, whatever sport, really, better support. Um, so you're always the underdog. Generally, they win more than what we do, but we certainly enjoy our successes.
4: we are talking on bowls, a more serious question. I mean, obviously, you've done a lot this summer with the juniors I mean how key do you see island wide not just GBC about getting youngsters into the sport because probably that's the only way the, the sport wills
3: and the clubs as they are will survive I think you're spot on the clubs won't survive without juniors coming through uh, unfortunately there's a few sticklers shall we say um, that haven't sort of moved into that way of thinking really um, Because my view is we may not have the best green in the island if we. because I'd like to see people playing bowls morning, afternoon and evening, seven days a week. That's the ideal. Obviously, that's going to be a little bit of detriment to the surface that you're playing on. But my view is it doesn't matter if you haven't got the best surface in the world if you've got people out there enjoying themselves. And that's the future. A lot of the, without being too rude, you can't bracket everybody, but a lot of the older bowlers, they want to just keep it for themselves. So thinking, yeah, it only get used 30% of the time. We we'll have a fantastic green, but we won't survive with that mentality. So we've had to change people's thought process in that, which we are getting there. Um, and I know the Northern Bowling Club are starting to do junior bowls as well. Um, I think they've had some Sampson School and Vale, so that's a, a great plus as well. So I mean, the goal would be fantastic to see Sunday mornings, for example of over at School or Amherst School versus Vale and St Sampson's. And just little mini-tournaments. Uh, very small, but just let it grow. And that is the only way it's going to survive. And make um, it fun. And make it fun. That's exactly it. It's got to be fun. Um, because bowls again, it has got this stigma of grey trousers, white shirt and a little cap. And I remember the first day the college boys come up to beausau I introduced them, I didn't bore them with too many details about rules, etc. so I said it's about having fun. And we, I think we had 14 college lads, 16, 17 old lads. After the session, I said, do you enjoy that, guys? They said, yeah, fantastic, really enjoyed it. And I thought, I said, well, talk is cheap. I said, you coming back next week, lads? Yeah, we'll be next, back next week. And one of them said, when they signed up to bowls, they were getting teased at school that they thought, The coaches would be turning up with his grey trousers, white shirt, and a little cap. We're up there with shorts, Spurs shirts, (laughs) having fun. No (laughs) (laughs) taste whatsoever. Standards are slipped. (laughs) And consequently, the next week, the the, the fourteen lads turned up. There was two extra ones. Oh wow! So, and I know they want to do it again next year as well. So straight away, that worked. That broke that stigma. Well, we're not silly enough to realise that those college boys will go to university next year or the year after. So. They might not come back to Guernsey for four or five years, but we've sown that seed. They've enjoyed it. When they come back, they might be 22, 23. Let's give it a go. And that's my mentality. Um, Whether it's right or wrong, we'll see in a few years' time. But hopefully, because bowls won't survive with 140 members across three bowls clubs. You want 500 (laughs) So yeah. you just want more people pulling in that direction, and not thinking about themselves and their success. It's thinking about bowls and its future.
0: So you think clearly there's a there's a big opportunity to grow the sport in the in the near future. Uh,
3: yeah, very much so. And I think we've um, you've got the sports commission nice on your side as well. Sports it? commission have been super. Steve and the staff up there have been so supportive. And we're, we're lucky right on Bezier's doorstep, so I can just walk around the corner <laughs> into their room. <laughs> you need can you help us with this? Can you do this? And they've been fantastic, really. And the Sports Commission officers have actually been helping to walk the children up the road from Amherst School to Bezier's because of the health and safety.
0: Yeah.
3: So couldn't ask for more, really. So they've got a little bit of funding in place as well from the states, which they can help us with the funding of the green fees because ultimately you don't really want to be charging children... To play balls, you want to get them out there playing and enjoying it, and see how it evolves. And then get them to sign on to to play. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like uh, yeah, you, you're doing a great job up there and moving things on, changing mentalities. Um, yeah, I'm sure it's something we'll return to before um, the start of next summer season, and uh, yeah, talk a bit more about bowls. Um, j- j- just to finish off, Joe, uh, predictions for Sunday? Confident?
2: Uh, quietly confident. Um, like I say there's quite a few unknowns um, because I'm not familiar with probably about half of their team to be honest and obviously you don't know what people have been doing how they've been training in the last two years or so but quietly confident maybe we'll turn that bad record around this year
0: yeah well best of luck Uh, thanks very much to both of you guys for coming in yeah it's uh, it's been great to chat
2: thank you for having us
0: yeah it's great thank you Joe and Chris Dyer there. Fantastic to have them on the pod and best of luck to Joe for Sunday's tennis in Torinsula. We also recorded a chat with Chris about his football career one of Guernsey's greatest ever a man who featured at number six in our countdown of Guernsey football's top 100 Uh, watch out for that in the coming weeks on our Monday football show now as we mentioned it is a busy weekend locally Uh, more to come on that in a moment also a busy weekend potentially for Guernsey Raiders lady star Tanya Skoltz Um, she's had the time of her rugby life over the last week or two uh, hooking up with the Springbok women and making her debut in the green and gold of South Africa uh, coming off the bench as they be. England under 20s and a friendly in London. Uh, not just that, she's been training alongside the England senior squad uh, and could be in action again as the Springbok women face the Barbarians as part of a big doubleheader at Twickenham on Saturday. I caught up with her earlier in the week uh, to talk about the experience. Tanya, first of all, just sum up the experience so far, what it's been like to be involved in the, uh, the Springbok women
5: yeah um it's been an amazing experience um it's been really intense um the level that we train at is like nothing i've ever experienced before um but it's been really amazing the girls have been good um really welcoming and friendly and yeah i've just felt like i'm part of the squad from um, from the get-go, which is, rich, is really, really good. Um, I must say, like, it is quite daunting um, joining a squad that's been together for quite a few weeks and then, you know, getting to know all the girls. But I think, uh, yeah, I think it's been quite um, easy fitting in with everyone because they've all been so welcoming and I've really enjoyed the training and the level of training that we've gotten um, with the coaches, of the South African coaches.
0: Yeah, fantastic. We'll come on to the training last week because that was a particularly exciting opportunity. I know you, you did some work with uh, England's senior women's squad. Um, but let's just focus on the, the match yesterday then. Uh, you know, your first ever run out in a, in a Springbok jersey. Um, just talk us through about that. Uh, tell us about that experience, what it was like, what it felt just to pull that shirt on and, and, uh, and represent your country.
5: It was really exciting. It was such an honour. Um, I'm really proud of being able to do that for um, my country, to represent my country. Um, I was quite nervous going into to the game, but I think once I was on the pitch, um, you know, I just forgot about all of that and just, you know, went for it. Uh, it felt like five minutes, but I was actually on the pitch for 20 minutes. Um, so it went by really quickly. Uh, I hope I had you know I hope I did uh, make an impact um the level that we play at is like nothing I've experienced before so it, it is quite intense but I think I was able to cope and, and keep up and um I'm looking forward to you know growing and developing and being given this opportunity again hopefully
0: Yeah and I know you've been uh, kind of eyeing this up for a little while you've, been, you've you've had these ambitions to to get involved in the South African squad uh yeah yeah i guess yeah as i say for a little while now but does it did it feel quite surreal to actually to actually yeah, be be part of a match day squad and, and then run out and uh, and get some time on the pitch
5: yeah no it did it did really feel surreal um you know it's been something that I have been aiming for for a very long time, so it felt surreal, but also it felt like it was where I was meant to be and um yeah i just really i enjoyed it like i can't wait to play again and and to continue being part of the squad and hopefully um you know proving myself enough that i'll be selected in the the squad that's going um to the world cup
0: yeah lots to play for lots to uh, look forward to last week ahead of that game against england in the 20s you trained uh, i think at worcester is that right with um with uh, the England's women's squad uh yeah what was that experience like I mean that you know I suppose you know it doesn't get much more high level it was honestly it was fantastic um it was
5: great to be able to learn and to see what the England squad um does and how they train and how they play together and you know everything that they do is at like high intensity is quite clinical um you know, you could see they're very focused and determined. And, you know, what I took away from that is, you know, to always just like be giving 100% whilst you're training um, and to keep that intensity up and keep working and keep that work rate going. But it was such a good learning experience. I think, you know, I never expected to be training with the England squad. And um, we had, one non-contact session and one contact session and you know I gave like three I was able to tackle those um some of the England girls uh I think I did like three or four tackles in the time that I was playing and you know it also just makes you realize that they are flesh and bone just like we are and uh you can get them down as well but the reason they're so good is because they play as a team um the intensity is always high and you know they're really focused and they work well together so i think us as a squad we learned a lot from that but it also um, taught us that you know we can keep up with the best in the world um so we just need to stay focused and keep that intensity up and um you know, look forward to to growing and developing and learning over the next uh, year to the, to the Rugby World Cup. Um,
0: it was great seeing the amount of support you were getting online yesterday from your teammates and, and friends and, uh, in Guernsey. I mean, how much did it feel like you're representing kind of Guernsey Raiders ladies as well when you're out there as much as as much as Springboks women?
5: Yeah, no, uh, I really, you know, I could feel the love yesterday from my teammates. And um, I must say that I don't think I would get I would have gotten to where I am without the support of my teammates and friends. Uh, they're basically my family in Um and I think you can just see by like how supportive they are and how proud they are um, of of where I am. And you know, I really appreciate that. Uh, the girls do so much for me. You know, they train with me, they encourage me, they motivate me. So I definitely felt like as much as I was obviously playing for my country. Um, is my second home you know and and i love guernsey and i love love the players that i play with so i was super proud to be representing them as well
0: i think it seems like most of the squad are south african based. is that right i don't know if there, if there are any other uh overseas based players.
5: i think there's one one other player yeah. um plays for exeter chiefs
0: oh cool um, okay I mean, how, yeah. What, what's has, has there been a lot of interest from from your so squad members, from your teammates over over in that camp um, about Guernsey and about the rugby here and, and the you know the community?
5: Yeah, for sure. Um, they all, just, I think, they get a little bit confused as to how I found myself <laughs> on a little island called
0: Guernsey. <laughs>
5: um, but yeah they all say like they say they want to come visit me and I see what it's like and come playing Guernsey so um, no it's 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 I think it's um, cool for them that you know they have uh, someone that that's played a little bit of different in a different um, place and and you know we learn things differently as well and we play differently um, but you can see that the level that they play at is really really high um and i'm just trying to keep up with all of them because <laughs> they're, they're such a talented bunch of girls um yeah it's been it's been great but they're all like really interested in guernsey and <laughs> where is guernsey and how i found myself there
0: <laughs> lots of explaining today Um, and the tour is by no means over is it there's uh, a very big uh, kind of finale to come um, at Twickenham just tell us about that and and the week ahead and um, what it looked like for you and the squad
5: yeah so um, obviously we are doing a bit of recovery now after playing the game um, yesterday but yeah um, straight back into back, back into training and being focused and looking ahead as to what's next and how how we're going to tackle um, the next game and just putting in that 100 percent intensity and in training, yeah. And I'm looking for, I'm looking forward to it because at every single training lesson I'm learning something new and and you know I'm I'm really starting to specialize in that hooker position um, and my throw-in is is um, improve significantly and it's just those little tips that the coaches give you during training that that makes like a big difference and i think the team you know they're just very focused on on leaving on a high um if if they win against the barbarians it'll it'll be a really successful tour for them and um you know, the coaches say we need to, it's not necessarily about winning or losing. It's about processes and focusing on, 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 on specific things that we're trying to pro- improve, um, in every single game. So, I mean, winning is, is, is what we want to do, of course, we're all competitive and, and, and everyone loves to win, but also I think it's just to, to take out as much as we can and, and focus because, uh, know south african rugby women's rugby is really on an upward trend at the moment but um it's definitely definitely not as developed as the rugby in England, for instance. So I think taking in taking in everything that we can whilst we're here and learning as much as we can um, and focusing on the game on on Saturday is 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 what we're trying to take out and what the girls will take with them um, going back to South Africa. And also the fact that you know we can the team can keep up with the best in the world, um, and I think that's really positive. So it's something that they can use going forward. Uh, So then, hopefully in the World Cup, we can be really competitive.
0: And how much would it mean to you to be involved at Twickenham on Saturday?
5: Oh, I'd love to be involved. But, you know, even if I'm not playing, I think it's about supporting your team team members. um, And uh, what you do off the pitch is just as important as what you're doing on the pitch. So um, I'd love to play, of course. I love playing rugby. But... uh, if 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 that opportunity isn't given to me i'm going to be screaming my lungs out on the side um supporting my team members and and hoping for a win
0: awesome but well, i just wanted to ask you as well about the um you know we, we've seen the the videos over the last week of the the singing and, and dancing after training sessions you know the sort of the the farewells that you've been saying how much have you been getting involved in that is it... <laughs>
5: Well, <laughs> I'm definitely dancing with the best of this, <laughs> but, but I don't necessarily know all the songs. Um, but yeah, no, it's great. I think that's. Um... South Africans love to sing and love to dance, and that's a big part of our culture, so, you know, we're just being true to to who we are as a nation, and I think everyone uh, really enjoys the spirit of of South Africans, and, um, yeah, often in the bus, we're singing and dancing, so it's just just part of of who we are and, and what our nation is like.
0: Uh, it's fantastic and it's great to see you and the and the whole squad enjoying it so much. So uh, yeah, congratulations on that, that appearance yesterday and best of luck for Saturday if you're involved.
5: Thank you. Thanks so much, Tony, and it's great to speak to you and I just wanna also say thank you um to everyone in um Guernsey that's been supporting me um over the last few of the over the last week and, and um before the game yesterday. It's really appreciated.
0: Tanya Skoltz uh, speaking to me a bit earlier on yeah, fantastic to see her away with the Springbok women what else is going on this weekend then it's going to be as I say a very busy one uh, lots on the agenda
1: well to stick with the rugby theme Tony um, Raiders have got a very big game on um, Saturday afternoon they're travelling to second place Isha who are basically the former side in National 2 South they're, they've won their last five games including inflicting the first defeat of the season on Red Ruth, and that was away from home that was down in Cornwall so that was a, an outstanding result really for Isha um, I'm not sure if um, Guernsey Raiders want it wet and windy, but I think it might actually help them.
4: I don't think they're going to have any say in no, that. No, 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 to be no. honest, it's one of those things. <laughs> it's going to uh, be wet and windy. By
1: by all accounts, each are side who do who very much along the same lines as Raiders. They like to play an open, wide game, so it, it, it might suit Raiders to actually have a bit of a leveler with the with the weather. Um, so yeah, we'll see what what comes of that. Um, I know they've they've had to make a couple of changes to their side. Um, Matt Armstrong returns, which is a good thing, especially in the the conditions as they they will be. Um, so yeah, it's it's a big game, second versus fourth. Um, so I think it will be a good test of where Raiders are. I mean, obviously they won last week. It was a very straightforward victory. I mean, Westcliff are they're really struggling in terms of their being a, an injury hit squad and. Um, obviously, they, they were loaned a couple of St Jack's players last week to, to fulfil the fixture at Foots Lane. So, I mean, it was nice for Raiders to actually have a game like that after three successive defeats, just to sort of get back in, and get back on track. But this will be um, not just one step up, this will be about three or four steps up from last week. So it'll be a real real test for them.
0: Yeah, really interesting to see how they get on. And Guernsey FC have got a big clash at home uh, at Foots Lane.
4: Yeah, they've got Chertsey Town coming, and Chertsey Town, who are called the Curfews, Um, Of course, early in the season, they beat um, Jersey Bulls in the FA Cup, and Gary Freeman, the Jersey Bulls coach, thought they were a really classy side. Um, They've won five on the trot in all competitions, uh, beat two and Mitchum in midweek. They look a very handy unit indeed, and a chap called Jake Baxter up front is one of the division's leading scorers. Um, As I say, it's going to be... um, been a bit blowy down the lane this weekend. Um, that's obviously going to probably spoil matters, but um, I think I've got a feeling we might. be. We've got it in ourselves to um, nick a point there, possibly um, against a what would seem to be a quality side. Uh, we've also got swimming, haven't we? We've got three sessions three days, or well, something more than three sessions, three days of Ireland Swimming Championships, where to last another chance for some of our swimmers to try and post some sort of standards to put them in the selection picture for the Commonwealth Games. Um, I'm not sure exactly how many of our best swimmers are coming back from the UK for this, but no doubt there'll be plenty of records broken across the various age groups and will be very exciting. You always almost must must admit one of the, um, the joys of watching the Ireland Swimming Championships or any big swimming event is how they so efficiently reel off the event one after another no fuss at all um, I always think some other sports could possibly learn from that when there's a lot of dithering going on I mean they just <laughs> certainly get on with it in, out, in, out and um, so yeah, should be a good three days up at Bozajaw we've got some CI, Channel Islands Junior Top 12 action as well at the GTGA Centre on Sunday where our best youngsters take on the best jersey youngsters table tennis, uh, table tennis that is and um, we've got the tennis internship, of course, we've been talking to you about Joe Dyer. And we've got a, um, some mountain biking, the latest uh, mountain biking winter cross country series. And that's um, going on Sunday morning near the reservoir. All
0: right, cheers, then, Rob. Cheers, Gareth. Cheers, Tony. Uh, so, yeah, lots to get into this weekend. Uh, as ever, do give us a follow on social media at GSY Press Sport. Uh, we're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Um, do hit follow or subscribe wherever you're getting these podcasts to get every single one uh, delivered straight to you. And do pick up a paper as well um, on Friday, Saturday, Monday and every day of the week, actually, apart from Sunday um, for all the best and comprehensive uh, local sports coverage around. So uh, yeah, cheers, guys. We'll see you next week. Cheers, Tom. Cheers.